hey there. Just because Bonfireside Chat is coming to a close doesn't mean we are going away. That's right. Uh, if you have not given Watch Out for Fireballs a chance, now is the time to go do it. We're doubling down and making that show more frequent, uh, putting so much more energy into making it. Uh, and that is uh, where all of this Bonfire Side Chat energy is going. So head on over to watchoutforfireballs.com or duckfeed.tv uh, to check out our Games Club podcast. Uh, so long running. Uh, we think you would really enjoy it. Thank you. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And I'm Stuart McGowan. And you're listening to Bonfireside Chat After Dark. <laughs> Secrets. Secrets. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're doing that way too quiet. I think the noise gate's going to cut the cut it off. After Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Secrets. <Sure>. Yeah. Secrets. <laughs> Yeah, this is where we are uh, reading kind of a smattering of responses and prompts uh, that people have sent in our uh, our, our Patreon backers at a, uh, at a at a certain level in the past. Uh, these initially were going to be their own special bonus episodes, but we all saw what happened with that, and now we are putting them in here <laughs> as part of this grand retrospective. So, uh, everybody you're going to hear from this time, um, unless we note otherwise at the end, if we get to them at the, you know, if we, if we feel like we need to fill some time, um, is somebody who has given to us and we really appreciate, uh, that because, you know, has made all the difference for us. And also, um, back again, because he gave to us is, um, Stuart. Welcome back, Stuart. Hi. Oh, it's great to be back. Yeah. It was nice this... of you to wait here the whole week. Yeah. This whole week later, man. This Skype yeah, call has been on forever. My Skype budget's going to go through the roof. <laughs> I only get so many rollover Skypes per month. <laughs> to hurry up my Skype at a at a boost station in 7-Eleven. Hurry <laughs> <laughs> up your Skypes. Yeah. Um, the, uh, yeah, so I'm really excited to get talking about this. Um, these are, this is, you know, kind of how we conceive the show of just being like, have a talk show with, you know, like, like the McLaughlin group. <laughs> You know, <laughs> people, people uh, just kind of give us like, hey, what about this? What What's the best breakfast? Yeah. Yeah. Ew, what's the best breakfast? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Special K with bananas. Yeah. That's a, that's a... Um, yeah. So we're just going to go ahead and read these. Uh, and th you know, thanks again uh, for everything, Stuart. Thanks for sticking around. Yeah. I do appreciate that. I, I would never leave if you wouldn't make me. <laughs> well, we'll have to ask how much you how much you know about new adventures in hi-fi. Um, you have a lot of X-Men to catch up on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I also like the uh, like the notion that the network is just this one ongoing call. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know. For my podcast updates, you guys probably are just recording 24-7, right? Pretty much, yeah. It's, like it's like people just come on and off of this call and it's yeah. new podcasts every time. Yeah, well, you're, you're getting a taste of that because for as much as we joked about it being a week later, no, we're we're entering, uh, we're, we're coming up on hour number three. Mm -hmm. um, so I appreciate you um, having the uh, the patience to deal with this long, <laughs> this really long session. It is no problem at all. Yeah, that's, that's what I like to hear. Yeah. You'll do well at this company, young man. <laughs> um, I guess get started here with uh, 
Equestenchman, which I feel like maybe isn't a real name. No, maybe, it might be it might be a stink horse from the Slack. Oh, that makes sense. Um, Equestenchman is a pretty good name for a stink horse. Um, and uh, and they say, <clears throat> did you notice the fact that everything? Uh, this is about Bloodborne specifically. Everything that transforms into a beast not only becomes an animal, but also displays the chest mouth trait of the Moon Presence. Based on the lore note attached to the Beast Roar, what terrible things uh, lurk deep within the frames of men? I wonder if people who succumb to the plague aren't infected with uh, something external, but rather something fundamental to humanity uh, that remembers and they remember what they truly are. Yeah. That's mm. yeah, what do you, what do you, that's an interesting idea. Um, I think that like that has always been part of the subtext of, of the game. Like, Whenever you deal with a werewolf story or people changing into monsters or jekylls and hides and stuff, it's not just like what if thing was good and became bad. It is always the bad that is within the good. Mm-hmm. You know, that's always part of it. And this is uh, kind of an interesting expression of that because it's very direct. Like they say it in that beast roar uh, item description, but it coming literally from your core, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, um, it's it's a little yeah. bit like a like like a repeat of the gaping dragon thing that like in this bestial nature you know which has in a lot of ways sprung about from this kind of avarice for knowledge or avarice for more blood or more life or any of that you know transforming yourself into what ultimately becomes those crazy sideways mouth muppets in the in in the nightmares you know like uh you you need a bigger aperture this bigger mall that is you know um at this place that is the core of you um at the at the center of once you what what you once were i think it's really strong design yeah, it's it's not quite literally everything like the snake men don't turn into right, don't right. have chest mouths like but a lot that of them do see. have that kind of chest mouth. There could be some chest snakes there. We don't see. <laughs> yeah. that, that's true. Like like just hanging out of his chest like a like a cool 70s I mean, like hairy chest. He, he open, definitely fires you know, some snakes out of his arm. So as far as I'm concerned, it's just like 60 snakes in a man suit. <laughs> yep, trying, trying to get into a movie. A movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I see fast and furious? Snaked gun. <laughs> Snake a bunch. Snake eyes. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that is interesting. I, I didn't notice that. I really do appreciate you bringing that up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, into some more general prompts here. Uh, we have Jordan M. Uh, who writes in saying, after all this time, which enemy do you find is the best aesthetically designed in the series? Second to Mimics. Thank oh, you second. for putting that in. Yes. <laughs> uh, can I can I go first? Because I, I have an answer. Yep. Take it. Uh, Chaos Eaters hmm. in Dark Souls 1. Yeah. Uh, I, I love those things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like, <laughs> they're great. They're, they're, I mean, they're explicitly Lovecraftian. They look like um, elder things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're they're like Shadow of Time uh, kind of things. They have that, aud- that audio effect <laughs> they make whenever they're close to you. Yeah. And they're just made to, like, be fallen into. Like, they're these, just, like, really, really weird. And, like, to me, the apex of, like, goofy good. Yeah. Soul design, mm-hmm. like they're so dorky looking, but they still manage to be really uh, unnerving. Yeah, it's a favorite. Stewart, mm. uh, I think I'd actually probably have to go with the way uh, Seath looks. Like I, I love his weird orb tentacle bottom half and his <laughs> big uh, gossamer wings because it's so it it fits the mold of what a dragon is, but takes it in such a sort of sideways, interesting direction. Mm-hmm. That I think really speaks to how Dark Souls takes this 
uh, medieval aesthetic that we're all very used to and twists it just slightly and makes it very interesting. Yeah. Well, that plays into his story, too. Like, he has an imperfect oh, yeah. dragon. You know, yeah. so if he looked like a dragon, you said take his word for it that he's <laughs> perfect. Like, it's, way, it's yeah. way better to have him look a little bit off. Hey, imperfect dragon, what's your one flaw? I care too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, uh, it, it comes across well in the way he moves, where he, like, glides across the floor at you, which is yeah. weird his, and spooky. With and not cilia. <laughs> yeah, and it's, and it's not what, like, dragons are known to do. Like, you compare him to a Skyrim dragon, which are fine but are real generic dragons yeah and he's just or even like calamites yeah. you know even if you want to do the series or even to the the wyverns you know well even calamites got a neat design yeah. with that like one red demon eye kind of thing yeah but yeah. but yeah seath just hits such a good and, and just speaks to his area and to what's going on so well yeah i think um related to seath actually here's mine um the channelers Mm, yeah. yeah, like just uh, the, the, their entire visual design speaks to them being the eyes for this creature that cannot rightly see. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, like the animation uh, cannot be spoken highly, uh, spoken of highly enough uh, with their dance um, and just kind of the sense of menace that comes from them, you know, appearing all over the place. Like there was uh, uh, there were several good reasons why we played Spot the Channeler. Um, back in Dark Souls One, um, mm-hmm. not least of which is the fact that it, like that that level of read could be born by that uh, by that entry in the series. Um, but just because they're fucking weird, um, and everything about them makes sense once you get to the Duke's archives. Mm-hmm. And their stupid yeah. dance is so good. Oh, it's great. It's rich. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the best. <laughs> well, it, it led into one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, I think one of the best uh, kind of like gimmick videos. Um, the, uh, the, the disco young Turks. Yep. The young Turks disco. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and none of us, I, I, you know, I think that all, okay. I'll speak for myself. I didn't say basilisk cause I expected somebody else to say basilisk, but like that is the closest thing that the series has to a, uh, to a mascot. Um, I was going to give, side. Yeah. I was going to move to give basilisk an honorable mention on our yeah, way out. Yeah. Cause that, that's a, that's a really phenomenal design. And, and again, that plays into the audio too. Yep. Like them having that audio cue is just so so Pavlovian perfect. Like <laughs> they're little uh, and the way they decided to use it later on, like oh they're on the other side of that door. I can hear what sounds like the predator. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then the giant one that shows up in the cage in Dark Souls two. Like they've used basilisks very well uh, in in Dark Souls one and two. Yeah, and that's good in three. Yeah, um, but <laughs> yeah, but all right. Um, yeah, thank you, Jordan. Really do appreciate. It. Stuart, do you want to read uh, Mitch's question? Sure. Uh, Mitch says via contact, I'd like to know your opinion on the most successful recurring element through the games. Not necessarily themes, but literal recurring elements like the Moonlight Greatsword, Patches, and the Valley of Defilement. Um, I can, I can, uh, I can go mm-hmm. if anybody needs time to think. Um, mm. pa- patches always makes me happy. Like, I know that's an example Mitch brought up, so it feels like a little bit of a cop out. But I, I do think patches is kind of an unqualified success, even in games where I think the callbacks are, like, are not as strong. Mm-hmm. Um, patches is always funny and and good to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even like you, even what they did in two is not particularly funny. It's kind of interesting mm-hmm. what they did in every other entry. He's very funny. And it was, <laughs> you know, probably number five on my top three Bloodborne things. The when you find out that patches body is a spider <laughs> um, is yeah. one of just the weirdest surreal know things for that character um the voice actor puts in really good work they actually it's one of the few high points of the ring city mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the things they do with lap like i think patches is an unqualified success yeah, um, yeah i really love that character mm-hmm. yeah um i think 
I, I like the Moonlight Greatsword. Like, I think it's a super neat weapon when it shows up. I think it's a little, uh, a, a little pandering to the fans when it shows up at some points. Like with uh, Ludwig using it is neat, but also like, <laughs> I mean, it's it's flavorful for the game, but also like, what 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 does this mean? Like, oh, is he hanging out with Seath a while ago? Is that <laughs> yeah? Is that what happened there? Because that that doesn't seem right. What's the connection? And they both got it from a pile of slugs. Neat. <laughs> but um, I think when it shows up in the context of the game it's in, it's usually pretty great. Uh, like doing the fake out with Ben Hart is really great. Like yeah, that's yeah. such a that's that's such a great move. Um, it being in that horrible pile of slugs and implying the oh, the yeah. death the death <laughs> of the person who was wielding it is real creepy and good. And uh, just. You know, Ludwig sort of regaining some of his sanity during his fight is like those are all great moments. They just we don't. refer to that as getting his groove back, right? <laughs> so Ludwig got his groove back. <laughs> so yeah. he got his moonlight groove back. Yes. Yeah. Um, groove light, great. Story. Yeah, I, th- I think I think all those moments are individually really cool, and uh, I found cutting off Cease's tail to be kind of a pain in the ass, but otherwise, yeah. like, yeah, moonlight great sword's pretty pretty neat. I feel like I scooped myself because I was the one who brought up Basilis before. Um, mm. And I can't think of a better example than that. I think that Basilis, um, I mean, I'm sure I'm positive that there are, but I think that um, for me, Basilis always come back to the, uh, to the, to the, to the Ash Lake um, mm. and the connection with curse and stuff like that. And so like, I understand that that is my own head cannon at this point, but um, to see them spread about um, and to see them always used pretty tactically to instill dread in you, even, in Dark Souls 2, where the curse isn't really that big of a deal. Um, you know, I think that them not changing that design one lick and even like making those weird rats at the back of the research hall that like call that back to mind. Um, I think mm-hmm. that that is, uh, th- th- that is something I'm glad they decided to latch onto and keep on trying with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mimics are a good answer for this too. Yep. Like, yeah. in just an honorable mention, like, I, I didn't want to say mimic because it was disqualified from the earlier thing, but like, yeah. and I, it's so disappointing that there are no mimics in in Bloodborne. Like, if if the uh, if there had been mimics in the chalices, it would have singularly raised them a letter grade up to F minus. <laughs> like it would it would have got them to uh, the lowest grade you could get, which yeah. would have been nice for them because it's you know, <laughs> but like that would have been a really cool touch because there are secret walls there. Yeah, the um you know. Um, but it's, uh, it's mimics are very, very well used. And I like the way they always articulate a little bit different. Yeah. Seeing the ways they've used, uh, the different ways they've used secret walls throughout the game has been kind of interesting too. Like in, uh, because they're only, they're only in the chalice dungeons, right? In Bloodborne. Mm-hmm. Can't think yeah. of any that are in the, yeah. the main game. So that's a sort of a strange move. That would have been a great insight thing. Yep. Like insight should have pointed those out. Ah, anyway. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, I'm sorry. Did you have anything more, more to say? I was going to take. No, I, I just think I just think it's interesting to see how those sort of uh, those invisible or those um, secret doors have been put throughout the games because for some reason they decided to like change how they work in Dark Souls too by you just having to tap A on them instead of swinging your blade at them at them. Mm-hmm. It's a little weird. Um, and then they have that one room in the. Uh, the uh, Lost Bastille that's just like that our cup runneth over with secret doors in there for some reason. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I know. Yeah. They, have a, they have a weird ethos of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They do that multiple secret door trick like a couple different times to different effect. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's, you know, it's kind of bad. Like it's, it, it always feels a little trolly. And there's like, I feel like specifically from trolly things, um, it's very easy for that to tip into like, boy, I dislike this. You know, yeah. like, yeah. You know, this, this other, I don't, I don't smile about this. This actually kind of feels like a legit fuck me, you know, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But um, this is, that's one of the ones where it actually works. Mm-hmm. For me. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Josh Grimmer says via Patreon. <clears throat> Dark Souls is a series known for being challenging and grim, but my favorite Dark Souls moments are when the games subvert your expectations to the point where it's downright funny. Walking through the fog wall to see the covetous demon, this big, fat, floppy idiot rolling around <laughs> like my obese cat, big doofus <laughs> tongue wagging about. Uh, or the invasion encounters in Dark Souls 2's uh, DLC areas lulling you into a false sense of security by posing as a white phantom in Ivory King or luring you down into the uh, curse pit in Iron King or even the famous skeleton door in the Lost Bastille. <laughs> I love goof souls as much, even more than Dark Souls. Uh, what are your favorite goofy moments? Mine are all from Dark Souls 2, but obviously this extends to the whole series. this is hard because like i'm I'm positive there are like any number of like really funny item descriptions from games beyond one but um i i cannot uh i cannot call any specific ones to mind i mean there's uh dark souls 2 is is definitely the the game with the kind of goofiest sense of humor i think Mm -hmm. um out of them um there are things like um uh you know elizabeth was a great beauty yeah you know in in the item description which isn't like you know, it's kind of a joke, but also works, mm-hmm. you know, kind of, kind of a, a, as a, as a theme, um, you know, with the idea of like history being lost and, and stuff, all those moments are ones that I, I really love as well. Um, it's kind of hard to, uh, I guess like just to, to go a little bit further back, I would say, um, the adjudicator. Yeah. 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 And, uh, demon souls is, you know, he's very similar to the covetous demon that he's like just a you know, kind of a big dopey fat guy. Um, <laughs> I think the one of the reasons like the covetous demon I don't love, like I don't hate it as much as people tend to hate him, but I don't love him. I think the reason why the adjudicator works a little bit better is it has the audio component too. Yeah. yeah. Right? Like everything is like obesity horns. You know, but he's, he's so goofy. Like yeah. this little bird is like bird nest in his head, controlling this big like blob monster with a gigantic butcher knife. Like somebody made that knife. Yeah, um, <laughs> he accidentally stabbed himself like an idiot. Yeah, yeah, because he's his he's gut stabbed. You know? um, it is. I think that's a really really great little moment of like humor. Um, it it's it's not exactly as explicitly humor humorful as these uh, Dark Souls two moments mm-hmm. um, because it's you know it still kind of works in the aesthetic like it didn't feel like oh what the fuck is this doing here right you know but it, in retrospect it is like kind of goofy and, and funny yeah um this one i think is less funny than it is absurd but i think it is it, it is certainly played for laughs um the way logan's quest ends with him <laughs> buck naked um you know having uh you know done still what he, wearing the hat. yeah buck naked still wearing the hat and charging at you mindlessly his entire quest was you know was kind of a comedy of, of of errors because you're rescuing him you know from these from these places as he pops up um and there is a tremendous amount of pathos to that but just uh the undignified <laughs> the, the lack of dignity that is that you know that that is brought to it um did make me laugh and it does make me laugh when i get to it um but i think that it is you know 
it is funny in a way that I think is still meaningful for souls. Yeah. It, that, that moment does double duty. Yeah. Cause it's, it's goofy because nudity is inherently like funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also, uh, you know, like it's unsettling. Too. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tragic. <laughs> yeah. I, I love nudity as an unsettling element. It's one of the things I love about, um, now that we're, we're moving into, to watch out for fireballs, 358 divided by two days. Mm-hmm. The, um, I'm looking forward to being able to like, you know, cause it would make no sense in old loft to ever do like any of the penumbra games. Uh huh. Because we did amnesia, but now I feel like we can make room for them at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Penumbra games do wonderful things with nudity. Oh yeah, like ding dongs all over the place. The, yeah, the <laughs> fact that like the, like the enemies are just naked like makes it so much scarier to me. <laughs> yeah. That lack of modesty, like for some reason, is is spooky. Yeah. You know, here's a naked monster coming out of the big old dongdo, and like that, like dongdo. <laughs> like it just it makes it makes it scarier to me. It's not like I'm scared of dicks. It just makes you know. Like yeah. it makes it feel more alien. I mean, you know? it, this is a social convention. It's abandoning. This is the, uh, the, this is the action scene that I always cite, like to the point of parody, but, uh, the fight scene in Eastern promises when Viggo mm. Morton, Mortensen is fighting in that tub naked or in that bathhouse yeah. naked, you know? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What, what about you, Stuart? What's, uh, what's I, your, I your goof souls? One of my favorite goofy things are probably the giant fire pill bugs in, uh, two, two. Mm. Oh yeah. Demon souls. Um, especially because, even the first time I was playing through it before I really understood what was going on and patches is like, Oh, get, go get this thing. I was like, no, I don't, I don't think so. I think there's a, <laughs> there's a big bug there. That's going to kick my ass. And when I, after I attacked it for half an, half an hour and it started to blow up and it smacked patches with its explosion. That was just such a, a great organic moment where I was just like, ah, oh, you got what you deserved. You prick. <laughs> and, and that was, that was a pretty silly moment in this place. That's like, full full of these people who have lost their minds but are still doing the only job they ever knew and also like giant fire pill bugs mm-hmm. super cute yeah. patches is great for humor in general yeah like yeah. all the stuff with him in dark souls 3 is actually like laugh out loud funny to me <laughs> mm-hmm. um and and just totally works like him impersonating other npcs is just very weird and and good and like yeah i think that's very funny Given how kind of weird and flaggy a lot of the NPC stuff is in Dark Souls 3, I was really glad I ran across him organically in yeah. the Undead yeah. Knight armor. Because <laughs> yeah. it's so I easy. Mean, it can also just not happen, too. So. Yeah. yeah. That made me very happy the first time I played through. <laughs> um, <laughs> Smith Young writes in saying, hello, Cole and Gary and Stuart. Aww. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, that's cool i get it <laughs> i very much enjoyed bonfire side chat and will be sad to see it go bonfire side chat was kind of an odd show to jump into on the duck feed network um as it at least at first glance was a more somber or calm experience being an upcoming fan of the soul series i started to listen to the show out of interest to the series and ended up enjoying your commentary a lot even a little more than the subject matter thank you um hmm. being fans of dark souls yourselves what is the coolest thing that dark souls has exposed you to it can be a community website show genre or erotic novel <laughs> but only those things yes <laughs> I, I, I got one okay yeah one what, what is the erotic novel that you chose to you're gonna bring to the table now oh i have way too many erotic novels to mention just one here but <laughs> the coolest thing is being here right now and oh. like being a part of this podcast and uh being a part of the community in general is like this is so cool for me. Oh, you're far um, too sweet. 
Uh, I'm just like super nerding out this whole time. I'm like shaking violently this whole podcast. Uh, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) It's intimidating Uh, how intimidated you are. Ease up. (laughs) Um, That actually, you saying that makes me realize, like Stuart, like we should have asked you this the first time. We'll take a little sidebar here. What um, do you like? Have anything like online that you want to plug while you're here? Like, do you do you you get? Does that make sense? I mean, no is an okay answer. I just realized I forgot to ask you that when we were doing plugs at the end of the last episode. No, it's, it's like, fine. I don't really at the moment. Um, I went back to school recently, so any projects that were wor- I was working on really are just gone now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so most of the things I'm doing are just schoolwork a lot, and I don't have a big online presence. Like, I pretty much, like, I joined Twitter this year mm-hmm. to just be, like, the latest to the bandwagon possible. So... <laughs> I just I just haven't had that big of an online presence, but I appreciate it. Um, how about uh, for 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 what I um, think people should check out is the Duckfeed Amazon link. Yes, you heard it here first. If you want to support Stuart, <laughs> you should buy him books. He's yeah. in school. Um, I have I have a good answer for this. Yep. Um, Uzumaki. Oh mm. shit! That like is a really works, good the works one. Works of Jun, Jun, Junji Ito, yeah. which are all, like. None of them are as good as Uzumaki, but they're all uniformly good, except for the cat one, which is like amazing and, and good. Like that is yeah. the perfect mix of like sweet and like funny. Like I love Junji Joe's cat diary, but like as somebody who, you know, my attorney has advised me not to talk about my struggles with anime, but like the uh, <laughs> somebody who, you know, who uh, like the uh, he said I could talk around it. Okay. Um, you're not my attorney, Cole. The, <laughs> like, yeah, and we can talk after the recording. If, yeah, but, like, I, I, I get blowback. I get blowback too, man. <laughs> no, I, I know, but like, no, well, right. like I'll, I'll put you in touch with uh, with Mr. Lowenstein. Yeah, with, and, with, like, with, we, yeah, with the firm of Spider-Man, Spider-Man, and Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, Spider-Man, 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 Lowenstein, who can talk to you, the anime attorneys at law. The um, <laughs> no, yeah, uh, but uh, so as somebody who's like, it's you know, I don't naturally get exposed to a lot of that stuff. Uh-huh. Uh, like you know, for varied reasons, and uh, it's all good. Even when it's not as good as Uzumaki, it's all really good. Like I have the complete collection. I've read all of it, and mm. I love it. Yeah. Um. So like Uzumaki is a huge, huge, huge one, and I would not have been exposed to that if not for Bloodborne. Yeah. Um. Goddamn, Uzumaki is a really, really good answer. Um. Can I say something that might be kind of pandery? Um. I've gotten to talk to so many great people by doing this show and i wouldn't have done the show without dark souls like oh man somebody on twitter i think it was allison asked me like hey top moments uh on on the podcast and stuff like talking to Stuart wellington having danielle on um like all of that stuff so like getting plugged into this kind of network of people who really care about souls and stuff has been has been kind of life-changing in a way that we've talked about an awful lot so I apologize if that kind of like is a politician like answer to skirt around it, but like that's definitely had the biggest impact on me. I, I mean, that's that's probably true for me as well. I yeah. just Uzumaki felt was was very direct, but like yeah. it's funny because there are things people who like like Jeremy Greer is my buddy. Like yeah. you know, we we hung out in person, and like you know, if he comes out to Portland or if I'm down there, like we're gonna hang out. Like we're, yeah, we're yeah. friends, and like you know, Allison is my friend. You know, yeah. like I've, I've made like actual friends. And then uh, people who are, you know, where it's a little bit more like professional, like people like Stuart Wellington or something like that. That has yeah, no, been I'm a awesome star fucker. It's fine. 
<laughs> no, I'm just... Do you care about the little people, Cole? And the thing that's different between you and me is that you only care about how things can advance your career. Right, right. And, you know, I get that. Like, it's America and everything. But for me, it's more about... <laughs> but, like, uh, that stuff is, is really huge to me, too. Like, talking mm-hmm. to, like, Austin Walker, who, like, is somebody who I admire yeah, yeah. An, a lot, you know, um, who, who's writing. And, and, and uh, fucking uh, Vadi, you uh-huh. know, like, yeah. like, who's somebody, like, who got me... Uh, was very instrumental in getting me to like get past that first layer and kind mm-hmm. of realize yeah. there's more to this. Um, Richard is, is really, really great. Yeah. Um, oh, how, how, how about this? Um, uh, oh gosh. What's, what, what's his name? The patient's elemental. Oh, uh, Lobos. Yeah. Lobos. Ma- Mike Villalobos, yeah. who is like, we got to meet in person, uh, yeah. in Austin oh, and is did? like yeah. such a sweet dude. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and just, uh, it, it has been very cool to, to meet those people. Yeah. You know, both uh, people who, who have become become friends with and people who I've just remained admirers, but have gotten a chance to kind of talk to and has been have been very patient with their time uh, or very generous with their time and, and yeah. insight has been really, really phenomenal. Yeah. You know, um, like all kinds of like those little moments. The last episode of this is going to be full of that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Like doing, you know, like getting uh, like Jason Killingsworth book, like Kevin mm-hmm. McDonald's like book. That was very like that was a really cool opportunity. Like we had a lot of things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's uh, that's been that's been really ridiculously huge. So Joey says via Patreon, we've seen lots of souls likes, and we've div- and we've seen how divided opinions are on them, both in the Duckfeed community and the Greater Souls community. What is it that makes a successful souls like to you? What have some souls likes gotten right? What have they gotten wrong? What is one attribute of a souls game you wish souls likes could get right, or that you would like to see make its way into mainstream AAA games? It's a good question. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we talked about this a lot in the Hollow Knight episodes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it, it, I think that game gets the things that are important to me right better than other souls like we souls likes we've done. Um, yeah. You know, which is that sense of uh, meaningful exploration, like a big interconnected world, like every kind of corner you push against having a research hall or a castle canehurst <laughs> behind it. You know, which is which is very important to me. Yeah. Uh, in in these games, atmosphere, then, mood, atmosphere, yeah. Um, and mm-hmm. uh, just uh, let, let's say meaningful, um, visual storytelling. Not just environmental, mm-hmm. but like actually telling you stories about the about the creatures and the world, and specifically the bosses, just by the way they look and move. Um, that is something that. We saw a little bit of in the um in the in Hyperlight Drifter, but was lacking elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. I really can't think of a a Souls like that nails it better than Hollow Knight does. It's, like, it's a weird well, thing because I know people who won't play it. Like we, um, there's a thread <laughs> on the something awful thing where it's like people are just going, oh, "I'm gonna skip that because I have no interest in that game." And I just have the sense of like, please let us convince you. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> you <know>? tragic. Like, <laughs> please let us convince you because it. If you like Dark Souls, I feel like there's a lot there. And like if you mm-hmm. if you literally just can't do a side scroller, like I guess I get it, but mm-hmm. it is uh it's extremely strong. Yeah. Yeah. And then like the, the thing that people the reason why Souls likes don't get it, I feel like. I mean there's there's different ways that they, they failed, but I feel like what people are taking is just like be as hard as possible. Yeah. Um yeah. you know, which that's that's not what I that's not what I play these games for, you know? What's um, that? That new sci-fi one that just came out, the surge, the surge, the surge, yeah. right? That one, like, maybe it's great. I don't know, but it doesn't hold a lot of interest to me because it doesn't. It doesn't seem like it's going to have that sort of atmospheric 
connection and that um, that depressing atmosphere that just like is so good in the Souls games. Yeah, yeah. I really hope it has at least uh, half the atmosphere that Lords of the Fallen does. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and so a, I, I would like to play the surge. Like I'm, that's cheap. You yeah, know, that was a cheap joke, but yeah. And people have said it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I, I'm interested in it. I, I think aesthetically, it is less interesting to me in general. Um, you know, I always like dragons more than spaceships, but like, um, I am, I am curious about it. Joke's going to be on you when you're playing the surge and you cross into another dimension and it's a snowy castle. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you! Oh. <laughs> um, forsaken castle surgehurst. <laughs> defiance um the thing that i would like to see happen you know in the more into mainstream games and like souls dna is everywhere now oh yeah like there's some souls in breath of the wild like there's like a little bit of souls and and lots of things and and that's recursive because there is a little bit of zelda one and, and dark souls mm-hmm. like you know that kind of becomes uh it, it's not something that a lot of things aren't things that souls invented it's just things that they they brought back but the the crop of souls like i think it made me think that the thing i don't necessarily look for is just like oh like uh dodge-based, stamina-based combat, which is a real defining part of Souls combat, I think the thing I want AAA games to take is atmosphere and a sense of secrets and a sense of storytelling. Yeah. Um, and stop trying to ape the combat. Because even when it works okay, you know, it's not like the, the base combat in, like, Salt and Sanctuary is unfun, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just, there's so many other things that are more important. Yeah. So, that's, that, I mean, that's my take on it. Yeah. Well, it's specifically more important to, 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 to us and our yes. and our treatment and stuff. Like we just happen to be two people who or three people, it sounds like, who share very similar values. Um yeah. And it's just the, the things that make it feel more special, I guess. Mm. I like that the Souls games are very deliberate in that like I have to be careful about my choices of what I am actively doing, like, you know, giving those attacks their wind up speed and things like that. But I feel like a lot of uh, AAA games kind of take the wrong lesson there, which is like, well, you should be bad. <laughs> like your character mm-hmm. should control poorly, and then you make them better. I'm like, no, mm-hmm. not really. Yeah, because yeah. Dark Souls characters always feel pretty responsive. They just like, you just got to be careful with it. Mm-hmm. And and there is an element to that I like, but it tends to like I'm th- uh, I can't remember the name of it. There's this little pixel arty platformer game that touts itself as a bit of a Souls like, but your character is so weak, your attack range so tiny that it it doesn't get to show off any of its combat or anything because it's so difficult to fit that kind of stuff together Mm. yeah yeah that's definitely a a potential downfall you know so and also i think that like some of the things i think that hollow knight was explicitly you know they probably were explicitly inspired by dark souls Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, i think a lot of the good stuff we're going to find that has souls dna are going to come from things not trying to ape dark souls it's going to be like your breaths of the wild and stuff where it's like, oh, well, this is an undeniable kind of trend in game design um, that people have just kind of picked up on, you know, but even like Hyperlight drifter, which has a little bit in common with dark souls or hollow Knight or uh, shovel Knight rather mm-hmm. they're really, really great games. It's more about, I don't know if it's a direct inspiration though. Yeah. You know, and those tended to be a lot more successful. So like maybe don't try to be dark souls. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just like, you know, pick up something that you think is a good idea, you know? Um, but don't, uh, don't intentionally try to rebuild the same thing and make it a little bit, a little bit different, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, is this you, Cole? Uh, that was Stuart. So this is going to be you, Gary. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, Yost says via Patreon. Uh, do you guys have any thoughts about translating any of the Souls games to tabletop role-playing games? 
Uh, thank you for asking this question. This is a good question. <laughs> um, since uh, starting the series, I've been thinking about this and have since found out uh, that DuckFeed Slack friends I roleplay with are working on uh, powered by essentially a tabletop RPG um, translation. So uh, this is our community member, uh, WeGraph, who's doing Bloodborne adaptations um, for Urban Shadows, which is a Powered by the Apocalypse, a.k.a. Dungeon World thing. I've looked at his uh, his playbook. Um, and also uh, Joey from Space is working on a Dark Souls adaptation. I don't I don't know about that one, so I don't know if it's yeah. powered by the apocalypse. I think the, the uh, Joey who just asked the question before this is the one that is mentioned. So, oh, interesting. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, yeah, let me know on Slack whether um, I would like to. I like looking at these playbooks. Yost yeah. um, continues. My own sense is that Bloodborne seems to be the richest setting for a more socially focused uh, tabletop RPG, and the Dark Souls and and probably also Demon Souls will be a little bit harder to pull off. Uh, because the worlds are much more empty. A stronger focus on combat environmental exploration would make more sense. Regardless, there's something very evocative about the world-building and atmosphere of the Souls series and the way it invites you to actively participate in puzzling the stories together that makes me think about tabletop RPG adaptations when other games don't tend to. I'm curious as to what your thoughts are. What would be the best way to do it, and what would be cool or less cool about it? Yeah. Now, what a question. Good question. Yeah. So I guess here would actually be a good time to mention that uh, a friend of mine and I made an entire Magic the Gathering set based on Bloodborne. Whoa! Yeah. Is that online anywhere? Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I would, can Can you send it to me? <laughs> like I, I won't share it. I would just like to like to see it. Yeah. Sure. You can definitely take a look at it. It's kind of you know middle of the road in how we uh, ended up on it, but it. But in doing that kind of thing, we took a look at a lot of the mechanics and how you would try to adapt them to a turn-based or, like, much slower setting. And it, it it's pretty difficult because if you want the, like, uh, physical experience of playing a Souls game to translate into a tabletop game, it's it's there's going to be some dissonance there because you just can't get that, like, perfectly timed dodge-rolling atmosphere uh, yes, in, into a tabletop game in the same way, and doing it with dice, for instance, just doesn't feel good because it doesn't feel like it's your skill that's applying to it in the same way. Yes, yeah, it's random. So, like the way um, you know dice, the way they emulate things just kind of by percentages are way, way different yeah. than mm-hmm. how like player skill kind of uh, reflects on avatar skill in Souls, you know, versus tabletop. So, like I've thought about this a lot um, as a thing, and I think you don't try to do that. Like you, you, yeah. uh, you don't try to make it, um, you know, you, you jettison that and you set that as an expectation that you're not going to try to emulate that because the way to do it would be some kind of skill based thing at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's something like maybe like dread does where like there's a skill element, you know, you're playing Jenga that takes skill. Uh, you wouldn't <laughs> mm-hmm. want to use, you know, but dread would be terrible for it because, you know, uh, or if it was like some kind of skill challenge, like there are RPGs that you do a skill based thing. You play like a round of jacks or something, you know, to yeah. attack, like. But that's ludicrous. Um, so you don't try to do that. Instead, you focus on um, those secondary, like kind of story elements, yeah. and you focus on um, like feel of the the world, like that kind of iterative progress, and the kind of harshness, yeah, um, and try to express things that way. Yeah, build build the cycle into uh, into the actual flow of play. You know, yeah. for failure and iteration mm-hmm. and stuff like that. The specific, not the uh, Dark Souls cycle of like right, right. light and dark, but specifically yeah. the cycle, the iteration of of play, like where you die and come back and yeah, etc. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so having some sort of expected fail mechanic would be nice because like D and D does not have one effectively. Like, right, right. 
D&D, D- D- like, the consequence for most fights is like, oh, you might die and your character's gone forever, which is not <laughs> yeah. super interesting most of the time. Yeah. Plus, your friend has 10,000 GP of diamonds. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> like, like, they can burn or, like, resurrect Just, you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, that so like, having a more nuanced fail mechanic, something that... And if you're trying to go for that oppressive Dark Souls atmosphere, you can do, like, you know, sort of permanent wounds and stuff like yeah. that, which you don't have to do it that way, obviously. But that's one way to try to get that atmosphere yeah. if you're getting beaten down by the yeah. world as you push your way through it. Yeah, or make it like a like a World of Darkness Vampire the Masquerade, like, uh, what is it, Masquerade Violations kind of thing with Hollowing. Um, mm. And actually use that as a, like, if, if there is any kind of social um, storytelling that is in that or improvisation, make that uh, a check on your roles for like, oh, you're hollow, aren't you? Um, stuff mm. like that. Like, I could see yeah. that. Uh, being something actually like taking like a Dark Souls 2 interpretation of it where it is kind of a cumulative penalty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I think that, or uh, Yosa's, or sorry, sorry go ahead. Uh, sure. the, the one other thing I wanted to mention was that uh, a tabletop RPG is kind of inherently a group experience. Mm-hmm. And that's got a fundamental difference from the atmosphere of a, of a Dark Souls world. Um, I found, I've done a couple um one-on-one tabletop games like just a tabletop game for a single person that have got a lot closer to that kind of atmosphere because you can make it the same this you can uh, push that sort of loneliness and that feeling a lot more than you know when a bunch of people are eating cheetos drinking mountain dew and making stupid <laughs> monty python references at each other oh jesus mm-hmm. <laughs> you know high school uh D. yeah 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 doritos mountain dew yeah. You know, beard, beard pretzels. Like, yeah, I was, I was just about to say that. Like, it is a, a one-on-one game would be better for Dark Souls. And I think that Yost is right on when he says that Bloodborne would work better as a group game mm-hmm. because it has that sense, you know, that of a, of a living world. Yeah, mm-hmm. You can have that. But that also gets into the difference between capturing tone and setting. Right. You know, mm-hmm. so, like, theoretically, there are people alive in Dark Souls. Like, you mm-hmm. can use Dark Souls as a setting. Yeah. No problem. You know, it's just whether you would capture that atmosphere yeah. or tone. Like, I... Like, this is a, a difficult question to actually answer. Like, you know, I can't answer this, conce- you know, uh, uh, definitively. Mm-hmm. I just know what kind of things I would want to uh, consider, but I haven't seen a game that does it, really. Right, right. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, I think uh, Power by the Apocalypse would be the would be the best way to do it. I think the, the, that would be the one that I would be more interested in playing. Take that and modify it with, uh, with a certain set of rules. And, uh, you'd ha- yeah. You'd have to, like, doing that, like, that would work, but there is a thing where... Powered by the apocalypse, like the one of the defining feature of how that game works is that you fail forward always. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that runs a little bit contrary to the idea of there being like a fail state, mm-hmm. you know, like di- death being a thing. Yeah. You know, um, but even then that, that runs contrary to having a team thing, because if somebody dies in an encounter mm-hmm. and even if they're going to come back, what happens with the rest of that encounter? That person just looks at their phone for the rest of the time. Like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's exceedingly tricky. Yeah. Um, which is part of why I think that it hasn't quite been done. Right. I think you could you could get the um, kind of atmosphere and you could get the setting very easily empowered by the apocalypse, but maybe not the mechanical tone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly well. And I'm not saying that to throw uh, WeGraph's things under the bus. Like I read a very early draft of them mm-hmm. and they were good, but it's like the game system, I don't think lends itself that well. Yeah. 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 To, to it. So I don't know what would, like I, we played, um, our group played uh, Torchbearer recently, which is very oppressive, but it's oppressive in a different sense. Um, it kind of gets a little bit of that, a feeling of mechanical oppression uh through but we we hated it <laughs> um it, it wasn't very fun to play yeah, you switch and, you switch systems like halfway through right yeah yeah we finished the story in a different system because like it was just like it wasn't 
it just wasn't like particularly fun. It didn't fit with our group. Like it's a really impressively designed game that didn't fit with our group. Mm-hmm. Um, there's actually, we're doing our game retreat next month. Um, the, the fourth and final, uh, Ben retreat, um, and Levi, um, you know, DM and, and buddy of mine, um, has a role-playing game that is meant to kind of emulate, uh, dark souls, hmm. Hmm. um, that I will report back on. And I can't remember the name of it. And <laughs> I apologize for that. It's something I'm sure it's in generic, like, you know, dark something or, you know, something, something like, I'm sure it's, it's, it's pretty, you know, SEO resistant, mm-hmm. but, uh, he said it, it, that's the idea is that it kind of takes dark souls, weighty combat and translates it to tabletop. And he has no idea if it will work, but mm-hmm. we will find out together. Yeah, I'd be really interested to see how they do that. Yeah. That's... Yeah. I will definitely talk about it on some, some kind of show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Cool. Yep. Um, Zlut monkey via Patreon says, hi guys. I stumbled into your Bloodborne episodes prior to playing any of the Souls games. The first episode that I listened to was the Vati one, before I knew who Vati was, uh, with you going through Central Yarnum. You made the game sound genuinely intriguing. I can't think of a more appropriate word. And I specifically remember you describing the battle with the cleric beast with the the dramatic music uh, playing in the background. I'd not heard anything like that before, and it just really grabbed my attention. I subsequently took the plunge on this game, and I found myself hooked uh, as soon as I unlocked the first shortcut outside of Gilbert's house. From then onwards, I was addicted to the game uh, and to your podcast. Since then, I've followed so many others working my way back through the earlier games, um, accompanied by uh, your podcast. Um, I've re-listened to more than I'd care to admit. Uh, for some reason, your second Chalice Dungeon episode, The Angry One, is a particular <laughs> favorite. Uh, it's oral comfort food. But I love your show so much and will genuinely miss Bonfireside Chat. You were wrong about Salt and Sanctuary, though. Wink. <laughs> Since there's no question there, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to phrase that last thing as a question. Let's get into it. Let's do a, a tight couple hours uh, on salt again. <laughs> yeah, let's just go back to that. <laughs> yeah. Sure, that let's me. slot in the salt uh, podcast. Yeah, I don't need to get to work tomorrow. It's fine. <laughs> there are some of these responses where people paid for these, but they just kind of submitted general praise and stuff like that i'm kind of curious because oftentimes we'll hear about people experiencing games vicariously through the shows um this is somebody who had never played uh, a souls game and it becomes apparent midway through this response never played bloodborne i don't know why they were listening to that episode if they didn't know who vati was (laughs) i'm very happy they did the the first one after the uh first impressions yeah yeah episode we had them on the first real area so yeah you know i think those i like those first impression or those um those basics episodes a lot, but I, I don't know if you're coming in and you just want to try it. Like you're like, ah, I want to get into the meat of it. Like I don't yeah, want to do an yeah. intro. You know, so maybe some of the things, those are, those are bad. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, I do, I do really appreciate uh, that. And I'm glad that you like, I like the, um, the way that the, the boss fights are handled on the podcast too. Yeah. Like I like having the music under the background, uh, under the discussion, yeah. you know, even when it's not like a boss fight I love or music I love, I think that it's a cool touch. It's always a fun moment. Um, I love uh, I, I love even just the way we naturally settled into saying the name and then pausing <laughs> so that yeah. we could cut it, so that we could leave room for it. It's a uh, it's 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 a lot of fun on our side as well. Yeah, really do appreciate it. And you know what? I, I like some of my best friends love Salt and Sanctuary, so I I, I don't judge anyone. Yeah, for loving that salt. <laughs> we just judge salt. Yeah, not the people. The condiment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, really do appreciate that. So thank you, uh, thank you, uh, Zlut Monkey or Zlut Monkey, mm-hmm. uh, either or. Yeah. Um, this uh, section are kind of just fun and questions, but all, everything's on the table yeah. for Bonfire Side Chat After Dark. 
Um, Take Noko uh, says via Patreon. Uh, just want, is this me? I'm just taking it because maybe it's not though. Uh, yeah, go ahead and do that because I don't want Stuart yeah. to have to read the praise. Okay. Um, I had says, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just want to say thank you for your work on Bonfireside Chat as well as your other shows. Um, you guys are funny, insightful, entertaining, and I appreciate that you guys stand up for things you believe in. Uh, thank you. Um, I think, thank you very much. I, I want to say real quick that we usually, people write this stuff in before and we usually leave it out. Um, the reason why we're including it in this is like, again, as Cole said, people paid for it, but then also like, if not now, when, You're right? you know, like this is, this is a time where I feel like we can be okay about, you know, people are going to say nice things and we grouse a lot on the show because people who say mean things are louder. Um, <laughs> but we just don't ever, we never talk about people being nice to us, yeah. you know? So it gets the impression. Some people are like, Oh, like, you guys talk about that all the time. It seems like people are constantly giving you shit. Like, no, no most don't. people are very sweet. Yes. Um, we're just extremely sensitive. Uh, <laughs> like it, it's it's not good. Like, it's not a good thing about us. Right, so, right. Um, you know, we're just we're just really sensitive. So we want to take this opportunity to, like, you know, mm-hmm. like people want to be nice. We're going to let people be nice. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I appreciate that you uh, uh, called out the, you know, standing up for things we believe in that's probably a pretty grandiose way of saying we're opinionated about social stuff but um it does matter to us and it's important to be able to work as work work that in holistically um yeah. to the product itself it drives people away but i think it drives some really great people closer to us um, i think so too yeah and i i think that it is a uh if anyone's out there creating a project and you're like oh i need to stay apolitical i don't want to drive those people away in our experience and you know who knows because in the grand scheme of, of podcasts like we're still kind of small, but in, in my experience, it seems like for everybody you drive away, you'll bring somebody in. Yeah. You know, people in our Slack and people tell us like, Oh, like I like, I listen to this podcast. I support you guys because I feel like this is a, like a, you know, a safe space. This is inclusive. Um, that's what we'd want to do anyway, because mm-hmm. you know, that's not a marketing choice. It's a moral imperative. I don't think, I don't think you can be a responsible, good person and not do that really. Um, but the, uh, you gain as much as you lose, I guess is my point. Yes. Um, you know, and, and also just like, it's also just the right way to be, you know, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't want to try to remain politically neutral about things. Mm-hmm. Um, that's frustrating yep. and it's not fun and it's not uh, natural. Right. It feels unnatural to me yep. to do that. And it's, it's actually harmful. Like the, you know, uh, a position of complacency benefits the oppressor, Yep. you know, and that, that is generally true. Yeah. So, so at, as a person who lives in the country next to yours, <laughs> this is this has been an amazing circus to watch this last little while oh, God. And, i'm so tired Stuart. i'm it, so tired it ain't great I, for it. <laughs> yeah it doesn't it doesn't seem nice to be in um and i think it is a, it would be a real dangerous time to be neutral on some of the crap that's going down yeah so is yeah it's just it's just the way we are it's not a, it's not a put on it is not us um acting and playing it up for any kind of appreciable benefit. There is a cost associated with it, but uh, that is worth paying in order to just kind of be ourselves and speak about the things that matter to us, both um, within the things that we talk about that are on topic for the show and the things that are adjacent to it, because everything is touched by uh, the issues that we sometimes dip into. And and I'm kind of sympathetic. Like when people are like, Hey, stay, stay away from politics. Like, I'm not sympathetic when people are like that because they're like, oh, you know, you shouldn't because that's not your job or if it's just because they disagree mm-hmm. with them and they just don't want to hear things they disagree with. Like, I'm not particularly sympathetic to that. Right. Um, I don't mind if those people stop listening. Like, it's, you know, 
listen to what you want to listen to. You know, that's not the issue. Um, but I'm, I'm more sympathetic to people where it's like, I come to this for an escape. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hear about that stuff. Yeah. But it's like, I just feel like that's a, that's a big ask. Yeah. To be like, hey, you know, Gary and Cole, you get to worry about this all day long. <laughs> and then you have to sit down and just pretend like you're not worried about it for two hours. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's going to bubble up, you know? <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know. It, you know. We live here too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't live there, and I'm worried about it. Yeah, it, it ain't great. Like, it's not like it's like you know anybody's gonna gonna come out of the smell like a rose. You know. Yeah. It's a uh, it's it's no good. Right. So. Um. Yeah. Do you, uh, Stuart? Do you want to read uh, David's? Sure. On the lighter note, uh, David <laughs> Petroko via Patreon says, "Fuck Mary, kill." All of Soulsborne is valid. <laughs> uh, Which, can, holy, holy crap. <laughs> it's a, it is a broad palette. Um, my cup I, runneth over. Can, 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 I, can I do mine? Because I've, I've got it prepared. I just want to get mm-hmm. it off my chest. Okay, mm-hmm. so uh, fuck would be uh, Sigmire because he's adventurous. Oh, you're you're taking characters, not games. Oh, oh God! <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I'm taking characters. That's how I read I, that. I would like to marry Demon Souls. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, definitely characters. That that makes that's more sensible than what I was trying to compare <laughs> into. Okay, so. so so here we go. Fuck would be uh, would be Sigmire, uh, adventurous. You know, uh, gregarious, for funny. The <laughs> well, uh, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Mary would be a uh, Siglind because she is devoted and she would go to the ends of the earth for me. And that's what, that's what you want. That's right? so weird though. You guys would be fucking your dad. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I mean, it's, it's not all happening at the same time. Okay. Um, and then, and then kill, uh, would be Sigvard because he's too stupid to live and yeah, I'd be doing like, him a favor. You've redeemed me. You've redeemed that. I don't care about the weird, like what you've made <laughs> Siglind doing, you know, really <laughs> skewed up your wife. <laughs> Right in that wedding, you're going to have to say like your dad was better at this. <laughs> in my head, fuck Mary Kill is not all happening at the same time. So. Some kind of some kind of like Padre Nocta. Dad night. Yeah, that's right. Dad night. Who's next? Oh man, yeah, that that's tricky. Um, boy, I might go. Okay. Um, so fuck. Um, I'm going to say, uh, uh, God, like the name is escaping me. There's a lot of NPCs in this. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say, uh, the invader, uh, butcher lady down in blight town. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man, uh, man, man, your Mildred. Yeah. Oh, say, here she comes. Um, here she comes. Because uh, you know that, like, she's fucking down for whatever. <laughs> and, like, you know, just kind of like, like, super awesome, like, crazy sex. Right. You know, just like, you know, like that, that kind of thing. Yeah, she's going to put her back uh, into it. Yeah. Totally. Totally. And just uh, there's a little bit of that, like, Futurama snoo snoo. Yeah. Kind yeah. of Amazon, you know, like, big hips. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, man, you're, um, um, I'm going to say, uh, Mary, uh, I might go, uh, Maiden Astrea. Okay. Uh, because she's trying to do, do good, you know, like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we talked a lot about the, the tragedy of like, she's a monster that doesn't know she's a monster. If she's, um, you know, ultimately, ultimately bad. That wasn't the read, you know, I came, came across on it, mm-hmm. you know, like it's, there's not where, where I've settled on it. Like she is, uh, you know, that is a, a player condemnation. 
you know, and I would like to have the uh, the role of uh, first of all, I want to make Garl of Inland jealous, and two, <laughs> I want to be able to like, you know, I'm going to protect this person who has taken it upon upon herself to uh, this would be like a duty mm-hmm. kind of marriage. Uh, and then kill, uh, you know, possibly let's say, you know, uh, let's say Sola Cinder. Uh, I, I can't, um, I can't appreciate having that guy, uh, in, in my world, you know, uh, threatening my wife yeah. or my, my side piece. Yeah. My, my swamp piece. Like, <laughs> side. I guess that's a lot of swamps. Like I'm fucking in in a swamp. Um, yep. So maybe I'll say Quaylag because I don't want, uh, you know, no matter, you know, good fences make good neighbors, but there's no fence high enough for a spider lady. Mm. Uh, that she can't <laughs> so. Yeah. Stuart. Uh, what do you think? Shit, now that bosses are on the table. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's not game originally, so like, I feel like levels, <laughs> concepts, like colors, like. <laughs> <laughs> it's all pretty much there, I think. I think, I think I'd fuck the undead parish. Okay. And, okay. Now, um. No, I think I I think I would probably I'm going to do this in a different order. I think I think I would marry Solaire because he seems like a really committed guy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He he seems like he'd be and he'd be real good to you. He's just you know he's so cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of a fuck that doesn't make me sound like a real gross guy. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's a lot of like ladies that I think are really cool, but like there's a lot of weird porn about them too. And I, oh yeah. And oh. Uh, I was pretty explicit about my sex thing. Yeah. Hopefully, that makes that's, you know, that's like, make you feel a guess, bit better. Like, I, I, uh, I actually, 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 I would fuck Alfred because you want a guy who's going to be down for some crazy stuff because he's got this <laughs> veneer, he's got this veneer on him that's, that's all righteous yeah. and stuff. But I want I want to see him break, <laughs> and, that, and in that moment <laughs> to, to to really lose himself. Yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna get some freaky business. <laughs> and uh, if I'm gonna kill, hmm. Probably, probably gonna have to be the centipede demon because yeah. I, I don't want that thing getting anywhere near me or any of my exposed orifices while the rest <laughs> of this is going on. Yeah, I, I can't handle having a centipede in the house. You know, just kind of hanging yeah. around anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Reasonable. Very reasonable. <laughs> Sensible. I think I think this is I think this is you, uh, Cole. Yeah. Uh, Tom B writes. Uh, I went through six months of unemployment last year, which was really hard. My wife and I had just bought a house, so we suddenly had a mortgage to pay, and she was pregnant with our second kid. I went from going into an office every day to sitting at home trying to perform some sort of digital alchemy to find a new career before our savings ran out. Throughout that time, replaying the Dark Souls series and listening to Bonfireside Chat gave me something I could focus on and enjoy obsessing about to take my mind off of the challenge that I was facing. Um, Not only that, but I found the thoughtful and caring way you broke down these vast and complex games uh, truly inspiring as I tried to push my own boulder up the hill. In the end, I did find a new job, and nowadays it's all good. But even though we'll probably never meet, I will always feel uh, I will always feel grateful to Gary Cole and the many excellent bonfire side track and bonfire side chat contributors uh, for their unwitting help in carrying me through a difficult time. I hope you know uh, that there are probably a lot of people like me out there uh, for whom your work not only resonates, but has also, forgive me, proven awfully good for the soul. Thank you. Well, that's very sweet. Thank you, Tom. That means a lot. Thank you. I I can, I can relate super hard to that. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Very very nice. Yeah. It was very, very, very nice. Thank you. Um, Yeah. Uh, Evan Joan Thorns says, 
with the uh, facts, by a Patreon. Man. Evan with the facts, man, is uh, <laughs> is here. Um, and he says, uh, actually, you know what? It's the final. Do you want to throw in that Evan with the facts, man? Theme, Cole? <laughs> yeah, sure. It? <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, a, it's, in, it's in that uh, that zip. Okay. Essential. Yeah. Let's go a little crazy. It's the, the draft <laughs> season. Here's Evan. Evan, Evan Joe and Thorns has a theme song for our, our podcast, Teenage Dirtbag. So here it is. Seven with the facts, man. Um, as somebody who is not a huge Soulser, Soulslite, Soulsition, uh, but who is a total nerd for unconventional storytelling and world building, I love this show because it helps me understand and appreciate the lore as I play through the games, where I might, uh, where I might, Reed definitely would miss it if it was just if I was just solely focused on the gameplay. I uh, I would have never have understood the appeal of From if you guys hadn't provided such an accessible point of entry to what would otherwise have seemed an impenetrable series. Yeah, happy to help. Yeah, yeah, that... you should you should uh, become more of a soulzician. Yeah. I mean, that that was part of the initial kind of like pitch or motivation for the show was to kind of make that travel guide. You know, we thought that the the different areas would bear that level of discussion. But like, you know, we found some cool stuff and we couldn't stop ourselves from talking to each other about it. And we figured, hey, it might be good to get this down in a place where other people can hear it. So, Mm -hmm. like, I'm happy to hear that, you know, even now these what four and a half years this four and a half years later uh that is still uh coming across and coming through as part of the mission so like yeah yeah that's great you know and, mm-hmm. and if anybody you know who's listening who doesn't uh wants to get in the games and can uh, we can help out with that i'm happy to do so because yeah. as much as you know the the last season like was more negative like it doesn't mean that these games don't mean a whole lot to me yeah you know like i, I do want more people to play them i think they're important to play you know i think that i think that they're uh kind of they're definitely part of the canon yeah you know like uh and necessary and you can learn a lot and uh, they helped me out a lot thematically too like there's a lot of kind of emotional truth to the games that i, I think is uh very resonant yeah yeah mm-hmm. um yeah who called it dark souls and not resonant evil <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yeah i think i think that's gonna be it yeah uh, for these yeah. so um we really do appreciate everybody who wrote in if you are one of the backers who are at the level where you get to give us a prompt um at the time you're hearing this call do they have time to send in for the second wave yes they do um okay. so i used up a lot of the ones that came in um the response uh, kind of flow has been a little bit drier than i expected um so please check your emails or check on patreon and uh, get those in um i have no idea if it was just because it was a little bit too early or not um you have time and uh you know as long as you get it in over the next uh kind of handful of weeks uh things should be good so mm-hmm. uh please use the form that i that, that that i sent out and posted on patreon um and uh if you said hey i backed at that level but i didn't get that please contact me uh because i yeah. can't i can't come seek you out i can't see who has who has gotten in and, and who hasn't due to uh email delivery problems yep and if you uh if you wrote in if you're not a patron and uh you wrote in anything and you're like hey why didn't you read our thing um we're giving uh preference to the patreon uh backers who you know who are at that tier who get to uh give us a prompt mm-hmm. um if you know we run out of other things to read we will definitely read other thing you know read non-patrons but we want to make sure all those people are taken care of first yes. so that's kind of the uh the idea there yeah so not that we don't appreciate it but that is uh that is the idea right cool so well, thanks everybody for writing in yeah and um, thank you Stuart, for sticking around this has been a, a long recording session um and uh you've you, you've done a very good job oh well thank you super happy to be here yeah you're a natural man yeah. like this was oh. uh 
it is a uh, you know it's it's actually I'm surprised it's not like that awkward, but it, there have been times where it's been more awkward, and I'm not obviously not going to name names, but like there have been times like where things have been you know less less smooth, and this I feel like was very smooth. Yeah, it's cool. I I, I can hear it on Days of Future Cast. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, yeah, so we, we really do appreciate you sticking around. We appreciate everyone who's listening, everyone who's stuck with us for the whole series. Mm-hmm. I hope that you will continue um, to. Keep stick with us for the rest of this and we'll check out the other shows on the network because the network is not going anywhere. In fact, this is us doubling down our commitment yeah. to it. Um, and we're very excited about what's coming up um, as far as uh, mostly watch our fireballs, but our other shows as well. You can check out all of our plans at patreon.com slash duck TV. Yeah. Um, I think that's, that's about all. Tell your friends and uh, we will see you next week with our talk about dark souls Two. Absolutely. Um, yeah, Umbasa. Umbasa. Mbasa. And we all pray that we will have far more soon. <laughs> <laughs>